from Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Okay, so um, if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Mitch. Um, how's it going? I'm glad to be here today. Um, when I was younger, many of you might remember this TV show. It was called Lizzie McGuire, okay? Many of you probably remember the show Lizzie McGuire, okay? Um, all the girls uh, thought she, they wanted to be like Hillary Duff. All the, the young guys had crushes on Hillary Duff. And uh, I used to watch that show all the time after school. And I'm reminded of this one episode. So there's this guy named Gordo on that show, right? He was a... Uh, Lizzie's friend, and he entered this contest, and what this contest was is it was a slow bike riding contest. So the idea was to do a bike race, but you had to be the slowest one. You had to come in last place. And that sounds bizarre, but there was a rule where they couldn't stop pedaling and the bike could not stop moving. So I don't know if any of you have ridden a bike, but the faster you go, the easier it is to stay balanced. So when you're moving super slow on a bicycle, it's very hard to keep your balance. So what they did on this show is they like basically put like a parachute behind him and a set of wings on him on the TV show. So when he's pedaling super hard and he's like sweating, but his, he's like barely moving and his bike's moving back and forth. And if, they, if one of their feet touched the ground to stabilize themselves, they lost. So the goal was to be as slow as possible while still maintaining motion. So, so when I, when I was writing this message today, that image of that episode that I haven't thought about, not only have I not thought about the show, but I haven't thought about that episode in at least 15 years. It's been a long time. I forgot that episode existed. You know when you unlock a memory you forgot you had and you're like, whoa, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, that's kind of what happened. But we're in our series, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And we've talked about, firstly, the problem of hurry. We've discussed silence and solitude. Last week, we looked at Sabbath and what Sabbath is and the importance of Sabbath. And then today, we're going to talk about, if you picked up on it, slowing. Slowing. That is our our discussion today. So when I say the word slowing, some of you might have already started to cringe inside, been like, oh, we're talking about slowing my life down. Oh, gross. No, thanks. This isn't for me. Um... But it goes without saying, if you've read any of the Gospels, it's not hard and it doesn't take a lot of reading to realize that Jesus lived a very slow-paced life. Jesus lived a slow pace. Jesus lived in a time where there wasn't modern technology. He didn't live in a modern city with cars and fast food and 50-hour work weeks and hockey practice and and the Facebook marketplace, and smartphones, and Uber, and grocery stores. Jesus lived in a much different time than us, he, but he lived a slow pace. So some of you might be saying to me, okay, so Jesus lived in a different time that, that didn't have modern technology, that didn't have the same pace of life. So how on earth am I supposed to live the pace of Jesus in a modern time? When the world is moving so quickly, how am I supposed to slow my life down? Some of you might be asking that. That's impossible. There's no way to succeed in life anymore unless we move at the same pace as the world. In the world, as technology increases, 
we keep moving faster and faster and faster, but I believe that Jesus is calling us to go slower and slower and slower. He's pulling us back saying, no, this isn't how I've designed you. So here's some examples um, in the book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, that we've been kind of going back and forth on. Here are some examples of how you can slow your life down that John Mark Comer gives. And if you haven't cringed already, if you're not folding in half on the inside yet, by what I'm saying, you will after this. So here are some examples. He gives a lot, but I'm gonna give you seven examples of how to slow your life down. These are practical, these are easy. You can do them today, okay? And some of these might make you uncomfortable. All right, how about try, try only driving the speed limit. Don't go a kilometer over the speed limit. If it says 50 down River Road, which should be 80, by the way, should be 80, but it's 50. Drive 50. How about if you're in the grocery store, take the slowest and longest checkout line. So instead of going, oh, that spot opened up, I'm gonna run over there. Find the one that's longest with, with the really old ladies with their big glasses who, you know when they pay and everything's in cash and they're like, oh, hold on, I have a coupon for that. And then they pull out their little change purse and they pay for their $200 groceries in nickels. Go to that line. Go to that line. Keep your phone in your pocket. Turn your podcast off. I like to grocery shop with podcasts. I love it because then people don't talk to me while I'm trying to grocery shop. I already have a hard time grocery shopping, okay? I'm a man, so what I do is I make a mental list of what I need to do instead of a physical list, and the second I walk in the grocery store, poof, gone. I'm like, well, all right. It'll, I guess my, my guess is good as anybody's what I need to pick up today. <laughs> pick the longest line. Show up to your appointments 10 minutes early without your phone. Go to the doctor's appointment and just wait. My doctor's office, I've been going to the same doctor um, for 18 years and their doctor's office is like six by six room with the same magazines for 18 years. And last time I was there, I, I forced myself to keep my phone in my pocket and I just stood there and stared at the walls that used to be white but they've been on the wall so long it's off white. It's like a cream color sort of. And I just stood there and then I looked over and I read the same, um, do you have chest pain ad that's been on the wall for 18 years? I could memorize it at this point, but I just sat there. It's painful. How about this one? Don't try and multitask, just single task. Now listen, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some of you angry. I don't care what you say. Did you know that science has proven that no human on the planet can multitask? It is impossible for your brain to focus on two things at a time. I don't care what you tell me, how good you are at it. I'm not gonna listen to you. They have proven that your brain can only focus on something back and forth. So you might be able to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, but they have proven that nobody can multitask 100%. You are going to um, do a crappy job of both things that you're doing. You always will do things better if you just do one thing at a time. It's science. Don't even bother arguing with me because I'm not going to argue with you about it because I am right. How about only check your social media or your emails during a certain window in the day? How about you're like, okay, I'll check my emails and my social media. I'll do my Instagram scrolling and my Facebook notification check from 
8 o'clock to 9 o'clock in the morning and 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock in the, in the evening. That's it. I won't open them for the rest of the day. How does that make some of you feel? That makes some of you want to cry? How about, okay, this one, this one, when I read this in the book, I, I was like, oh, nope, not happening. Come to a complete stop at stop signs. Come to the stop sign, wait for your car to rock back, boom. Then you know your brakes have hit. When it rocks back, then proceed. How about parent your smartphone? You put it to bed before you go to bed and you wake it up after you've been up for a while like you would a child. Parent your smartphone. So I'm gonna read all of these again in case you haven't, you're, you haven't crawled out of your skin at this point. Only drive the speed limit. Take the longest and slowest checkout lane at the store or when you're going over the border. I play this game when I'm going over the, board, the Blue Water Bridge to find the fastest lane and I always pick the slowest lane no matter what. So I already have this one down. Show up to your appointments early without a phone. Just wait. Don't multitask, just single task. Only check your social media and emails during certain windows in the day. Come to a full stop at stop signs. Ugh. And parent your smartphone. Now, church, I'm not saying that I do all of these. I'm not saying I've mastered all of these. I think some of these things are bigger problems for some than they are for others. Some of you might come to complete stops at stop signs. Some of you may take your time at the grocery store. Some of you might not bring your phone into the doctor's office. But I think the ones that have made you say, yeah, no, there's no way I'm doing that. That's ridiculous. Those are probably the ones that you need to do the most, okay? If I'm being transparent with you, for me, it's probably check my social media in certain windows in the day and uh, probably to parent my smartphone. Those are probably the ones that have made me the most uncomfortable and driving the speed limit too because I don't like when people drive the speed limit. And the fact that some of us got so uncomfortable when I read those suggestions shows you how ingrained fast-paced life is in Western culture. It, slow pace is painful. Even talking about slow pace is painful. Slow pace is the opposite of our modern human nature. It's fast is what our human nature likes. We like quick. It's easy. Now listen, it's easy to look at slowing down as slowing down. It's easy to see it as, I gotta slow my life down. I have to cut things out of my life. But what, what would, is beneficial is if you look at slowing, instead of slowing down, look at it as matching the speed of God. Or see slowing as matching the speed and the pace that God has designed you for. So when I say the word slowing, don't see it as a negative thing. See it as we're moving faster than God designed us for. So let's, let's go back to our manufacturer default, <laughs> the way that we're designed. The Holy Spirit often moves at a slow pace, but our world has moved away from that slow pace. We, if you ask me, what's the number one goal of being, being a Christian or what's the best way to know if somebody's a believer, I would say you measure the fruit of the Spirit in them. And in Galatians 5, 23, and many of you will know this, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So 
So I'm going to read this again. I'm going to read this passage again. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask yourself, out of all these fruit of the Spirit, which one of these do I grow the best when I'm in a hurry? Which one of these naturally come out of me when I'm in a rush? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many of those spill out of us when we're in a hurry? The answer is none of them. I, I think all of these things are nurtured in slowness. All of these things are nurtured in quiet, in slowness. I actually think the fact that these things are nurtured in slowness and we're moving at such a fast pace would, would tell me that fast pace, that hurry, that being rushed all the time brings out the absolute worst version of ourselves. Why do you think when you go on vacation, everything is good, you feel good, you're happier, you're joyful. Water tastes good on vacation. You drink a nice glass of water, you're like, oh, this tastes good, I'm having a good time. Because you're not hurrying. And the better version of you comes out when you're not hurrying. The better version of you comes out when you're not in a rush. Now, I think hurry doesn't allow the Holy Spirit enough time to grow in us. Hurry doesn't allow the Holy Spirit enough time to work in us because the Holy Spirit has a pace. It's walking, it's nurturing, and we're trying to run ahead of it. My wife, Allie, loves houseplants. If you come over to our house, all you have to do, this is all you have to do, open up the door, peep your head in, and you're like, oh, yep, yep, they like houseplants. We have a lot of them. We have a lot of houseplants. We have a corner just for certain houseplants at certain humidity levels. And then this corner's for plants at like this sunlight at this time. And Allie loves houseplants. She's very good at taking care of houseplants. However, her demise, she has one demise. There's one plant that she cannot take care of. They always die on us. Some of you might know the plant, the fiddle leaf fig. They can be big trees or they can be small. They kind of look like romaine lettuce to me. Like they kind of look like a big long stick with romaine lettuce sticking out of them. But here's the thing. Fiddle leaf fig plants, they don't like to be moved. They're known in the plant community as like very temperamental. So you can take a fiddle leaf. It could be sitting in the window doing good. It's growing massive leaves. It's healthy. And you move it like seven inches over and it's like, oh, I guess it's time for me to die now. And then it'll just die. You, if you move a fiddle leaf, let's say from one spot up, upstairs to our bedroom, put it in, in the window that's facing the same direction as the other window. It's like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to drop all my leaves. Goodbye. And then it'll, it'll die on you. They're super temperamental. But how much is our spirits like that? We're trying to grow the fruit of the spirit, like trying to grow a fiddle leaf. And you're like, okay, today I'm throwing it in the bedroom. And in a couple hours, I'll move it upstairs. Then I'm going to move it in the kitchen. Oh, it's not growing there. Shoot. Well, I'll move it back to the living room. Wait a couple days. Ah, nope, the leaves aren't growing back. I'm going to move it back upstairs. That's how we live our lives, church. Something that's designed to grow and quiet and in one place is being rushed around at a thousand miles an hour all the time. And then we, we wonder, why on earth have I been a Christian for so long and my life's not that different? I feel the same. 
Or I feel like I've hit a plateau in my life. I was excited about God for a while. He was changing me, but then I just like hit a wall and I feel like these fruit of the spirit aren't growing in me. Well, why don't you try slowing down a little bit? Why don't you allow the Holy Spirit the time? Allow the Holy Spirit the quietness to listen. Slow down. There's a thing um, that in audio engineering, and for a while here, uh, people who work or volunteer here at the church know that a thing called sample rate was my demise for about a month, okay? I absolutely lost my mind trying to figure out our live stream about a year ago. Um, Church, if you remember, we used to have our church um, online ahead of time. We would film ahead of time, and then we would upload, and then when we switched over to live stream, there's a thing called a sample rate, which was driving me bonkers. I spent weeks trying to figure out why our audio and our video weren't lining up. We would do, we would do a service in here, and it would sound good, and it would look good, but I would look like a kung fu movie, because we'd be like, good morning, Parkway. And it just wouldn't line up. It was driving me crazy. And I found out there was a thing called a sample rate, which is basically without, I could talk about sample rate all day long, but essentially what it is, it's the amount of information per second or the amount of audio samples per second that you're sending to a source, uh, from a source um, to a recipient. So it's like so many snapshots of audio being sent a second. And our sound mixer, which was receiving the data, sending that data to our computer, their sample rate was off. So the, the, our, our sound mixer at the back was set to, to so many uh, packets of information per second, and the computer was expecting a different amount of information, so it was trying to catch up all the time. It would get overloaded, and then it would catch up, and then it would get overloaded and catch up. But I feel like our sample rate is off of God's sample rate all the time. God's running at a certain sample rate that's slow, that allows information, that allows his voice to come in at a certain speed. And we're sitting here like, I can't hear you, what's going on? Our sample rate is off. It's not gonna transfer properly. We often don't give our prayer life enough time to be persistent because faith is often strengthened. If you ask me, faith is strengthened in trials and it's strengthened in slowness. And I actually think, I actually think we miss out on breakthrough a lot because, because we aren't making ourselves available for the answers. I think a lot of us experience unanswered prayer. I think, uh, I mean, I've had unanswered prayer. I believe if you're a believer and you've been a believer for a certain amount of time, there have been things you've asked for, things you've contested for, and, and you don't see the answer. Maybe it's provision, breakthrough. We miss out on answers, but I think it's, it's not because God isn't trying to or God isn't fulfilling our prayer. It's because we're not slowing down enough to wait for it. I think we're moving quicker sometimes than the breakthrough moves. And, and, and again, faith, which is the, the caveat for breakthrough, which is the, the fuel for our prayer life, faith is only bread in persistence, and persistence is only bred with repeated prayer. But if we're moving so quickly, we're, we're asking God for something, then we're moving over here. We're not waiting for that one. We're like, ah, he didn't answer that. I'll move on to the next one. Ah, he didn't answer that. I'm going to move on to the next thing. Our prayer life is all over the place. 
our minds are all over the place. When God is saying, slow down, I'm gonna teach you. I'm giving you the breakthrough. You just gotta slow down for a minute. I think a lot of us, church, I think a lot of us miss out because we're moving so quickly. Faith doesn't grow out of thin air. Faith cannot be abandoned. And if faith can't be abandoned, then neither can slowness, neither can Sabbath, neither can simplifying our lives. Listen, life is a marathon. Um, I'm reminded of this picture I saw um, on the internet and it says, life is short. And then it shows a picture of Dwight Schrute from the office going false. Life is the longest thing that you will do. (laughs) I'm like, I mean, technically is, but I just thought that was funny. That's not even in my notes. But as I was saying this, it popped into my head. But listen, God designed us to live a life like a marathon runner, but we are running like a hundred meter dash. Why do we feel the need to sprint through life all the time? We're, we're living life like a sprint, trying to sprint. What's a marathon? I think it's like 50 kilometers. It's something ridiculous. Imagine sprinting 52, 42. That's what I, when I said 50, I meant 42. That's what I meant. Um, so imagine trying to sprint 42 kilometers. Many of us could maybe not even sprint 100 meters. <laughs> But God designed us for a certain pace the same way a marathon trainer will train their body to run a marathon. Training for a marathon and training for a 100-meter dash, which are two completely different things, require two completely different physiques. People who run 100-meter dashes are often, you'll see them if you watch the 100-meter dashers. They're super muscular. Their leg muscles are huge, Okay. And they actually train their fast twitch muscles. And marathon runners, you'll notice, are very thin because they have to run a long time. They can't be carrying extra weight. Where the 100-meter dash people need the muscles to propel them forward super quickly. Two totally different physiques. And then if you get into the entire system of breaking down your energy and uh, and your creatine and your creatine and all this crazy stuff... These people's bodies, they're both in tremendous shape and they are both powerful, but they require two completely different body types and physiques and training styles. And we are trying to run a marathon like a 100-meter dash sprinter when Jesus lived a life like a marathon runner, when humans were designed like a marathon runner. Why do we need a vacation just to feel human again? because we're slowing down and being humans again. Listen, you need time to slow down. You you can't just magically slow down. Our schedules are packed full. In order to slow down, church, listen, in order to slow down, there's things we have to get rid of in our schedule. We have to eliminate things from our schedule to slow down. You can't just slow down with a full schedule. The time has to come from somewhere. Now, some of us would say, man, I wish our day had 48 hours in it. But let's be honest, if a day had 48 hours, we would just pack it full with other things. We wouldn't take the extra time to slow down. Let's not pretend we would. We would just work 16-hour work days and go out for dinner twice in a day and watch seven episodes of Netflix instead of three right? 
If our days were longer, we would just fill them. So, so listen, if you take anything away from today, church, this is the point I want you to take from. Is we need to, in order to slow down effectively and effectively match the pace or the sample rate of God, we need to be able to differentiate the urgent from the important. The urgent from the important. Those are two different things. I want you to think about that for a sec. I want you to think of some of the things in your life that you would say are urgent. And then I want you to think of other things in your life that aren't urgent, but they're important. And just because something is urgent, it doesn't mean that it's important. And a lot of the time, things that are important to us are not urgent. It's important to differentiate. And listen, church, it's almost never the important things in our life that are killing us. Our spiritual lives, our family, our friendships, our health. These things are usually not the things killing us. What's killing us is the urgent but unimportant things that we're cramming into our schedule that don't actually nourish us, that don't actually nourish our spiritual lives, but they're getting precedent because they need to be done now. Are you seeing the difference? We're going to read a story in Luke chapter 8 that I think is a great example of Jesus differentiating the difference between urgent and important. We're going to read the story starting at verse 40 about Jesus raising a, a dead girl and healing a sick woman. And we're going to come back to that idea of urgent versus important in just a second, but I'm going to read it. It's a little bit of a long passage, so just bear with me. It should be up on the screen here. So starting at verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and impressing against you. But Jesus said, No, someone touched me. I know that power has gone from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has been healed. Sorry, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. When Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all of the people were waiting and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Jesus told them to give her something to eat. 
Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. So listen, there's two things happening here. One of them, now, now in this instance, both of these things were important, but one was urgent and one was not urgent. The woman who was bleeding needed healing. It was important. She was an outcast because of this issue. She, wasn't, she wouldn't have been able to worship at, at the synagogue in the, or the temple because of it. But Jairus' daughter was the urgent issue. She was dying. This woman was not dying. And you can imagine as Jairus is like, okay, Jesus, I'll show you where I live. And he's dragging Jesus along to his house saying, come with me. And Jesus stops and says, somebody touched me. Jairus is probably like, come on. What are you waiting for? What do you mean someone touched you, right? Put yourself in his shoes for a second. The, the person that can heal your daughter, the last resort that you have is stopping when seconds are of essence and he's like somebody touched me well of course somebody touched you Jesus what do you mean my daughter's dying let's go but look at the pace that Jesus walks at if Jesus had rushed and said okay let's go and Jesus sprinted to Jairus's house that woman would have missed out on her healing that woman's life would not have been changed but both of them received healing because Jesus knew how to differentiate urgent from important. He knew the pace that God was guiding him along at. Jesus was sensitive to the pace that the Holy Spirit was setting in him. Jesus knew, don't rush to his house, but wait. So when your life gets hectic, I want you to think of this story for a second. Use this story as an example of the pace that, that Jesus sets for us. I think sometimes when we're in church and the message has gone on longer, worship's going on long, it's like, mm, kickoffs in 30 minutes. When is this guy gonna wrap this up? I actually wonder, church, how many healings and miracles and breakthroughs people in this church have missed out on? How many I've missed out on because we're in a hurry to get out of here? If we just lingered in the presence of Jesus, if we bowed down at his feet and touched his robe and listened for his voice instead of wanting to get out of here because we have plans, how many, how different would our lives be? So next week, we're going to look at simplifying our lives. And here's what's interesting. You can't slow down without simplifying. And simplifying will naturally allow you to slow down. We'll create an environment for you to slow down. But Sabbath, that we talked about last week, can't happen without slowing down. And silence and solitude are a way of simplifying your life, which slows your life down, which allows you to take Sabbath. Are, we, are, are you guys getting what I'm saying here? It's not one or the other. It's not, okay, I'll slow down my life, but forget the Sabbath thing. No, no, no. Sabbath, as Pastor Call said last week, is a lifestyle of slowing down. When we look at simplifying our lives next week, don't say, you know what, I'm gonna slow down, but not simplify. No, because slowing down requires simplifying your life. Simplifying your schedule, your environment. So church, in your life, I want you to take a moment to ask yourself, we're about to close in a second, but I want you to take 
20 seconds and look inside for a second and ask yourself, what is, in my life, what is urgent and what's important? Look at the things you've done in the last week. What are things that I've crammed in my life but aren't important, but they, they take my time, but they're not important? I want you to ask yourself this. Is your spiritual life, is your walk with Jesus, is your family, is your mental health suffering because your schedule is not honoring to the things that are important? Because the things that are important will feed all of these things. The things that are important in your life will feed your mental health, your physical health, your spirit, your family, your mind, the things that are urgent, the fluff, the filler that we cram into our schedule, don't feed these things. So Jesus, I thank you for your love. I thank you that when you were here on earth, you gave us an example of the pace of life that we should live. Lord, none of your miracles were accomplished in a hurry. When you fed 5,000, you were sitting up on a hill preaching. God, when you calmed the wind and the waves, you were asleep. You were asleep. The slowest thing that we can do is sleep. God, when you healed the woman in bleeding, you stopped in the middle of a rush and you spoke to her. Father, as we go throughout this week, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would convict us, that you would open up our eyes to things that are clouding our schedule, that are cramming our schedule full, that you would show us ways that we can slow down. And some of the examples that we, we discussed today might seem mundane or they might seem silly, but they're exercises to train ourselves. So Lord, I pray that when we are in the grocery store, we'll ask ourselves, okay, Ooh, how can I slow this down? When we're on our way to work, instead of waiting till the last minute to leave for work, why don't we leave a little bit early, sit in the parking lot and spend five minutes, take a few deep breaths and pray. Jesus, show us ways this week that we can slow down. And I believe if we slow down to your pace this week, Lord, that we will see breakthrough, that we will feel healthier, that we will feel more human again the way you've designed us, that we will hear your voice better, the way you've designed us, that we will be matching your sample rate, the, the pace in which you lead us, let us follow your pace. So Lord, be with us. Let us not forget what we discussed today, but let it continue to germinate and grow and let the fruit of the Spirit grow in us this week. We thank you, God, and we love you. Everybody said... Amen. Well, thank you for being a part of church today. We hope that you have a blessed week and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.